Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's up, fam? My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for joining us. If you're watching online, uh, I hope you are following along on our social media accounts this week because we've been letting everybody know that we're celebrating communion today. So uh, if you're not ready, uh, you can go grab something out of the pantry or the fridge. Uh, for us at Revo, communion is a really special service, one of our, one of our favorite services. And uh, it's a time really just to be thankful it's a time to remember what Jesus has done, but also to be, to be thankful for that. And going into the, the holiday season, it's just good just to take a, a little break and hit the pause button and just express some gratitude and to be reminded of the things that we have to be thankful for. You know, some churches uh, do communion different. Uh, some churches have the communion elements, you know, the bread and the juice or the wine. They have them available every week. And if you want to go and take it every week when you gather, you can. And uh, other churches uh, will tag communion on, maybe to the end of the service, do like a regular service, but the pastor will just like cut five minutes off the sermon, and, and then they'll do communion at the end. But at Revo, we do it a little bit different. Uh, we dedicate the whole service to it. Uh, we, we take communion quarterly, and uh, I don't know if you noticed, but all of the songs, the, the lyrics, the, the prayer, the text we're going to look at today, taking communion together, it's all bent towards focusing us on what Jesus did, focusing on this familiar story, a story that most people have, have heard before. You don't have to have been in church very long to like, have heard about the, the communion elements and the Last Supper and the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, but here's the reason why I get this, one of the questions I get a lot, why do we only do communion four times a year? And here's the answer, here's my fear. I don't want something so powerful and so meaningful to ever become routine. And that's what happens when you do stuff a lot. You know, as the frequency increases, sometimes the significance can decrease because it just becomes something you just, well, we do that all the time. And so to keep from doing that, I think that'd be such a shame for us, for something so powerful and significant and meaningful in, in our faith to just become something that we do really casually and, and flippantly. Uh, but the reality is, though, the tough part, the story is familiar. For something that we really don't want to become familiar for us, it is a familiar story. Uh, I mean, you, you've heard it many times. It's in all four of the Gospels. It's just a, a part of Jesus' story. And especially leading up to Easter, we hear this Passion Week that, that ended with the Lord's Supper. You've, you've probably heard it all before. Jesus wants to plan one last meal with his disciples. Right? It's, it's the last meal called the Last Supper. It'd be the last time that he eats with these disciples and has a meaningful conversation with them before he's arrested. So he tells them, I want you to go into Jerusalem and there'll be this upper room that, with this big table and, and set it up, get everything together and, and you know, we'll, we'll meet there on, on Thursday night of this, this last week of Jesus's life. And, and so that's what, exactly what they do. They get all of the details together and they have this meal and Jesus and his 12 disciples, 13 men sitting around a table, enjoying conversation, enjoying being with each other and, and, and just being together. And then Jesus makes it really awkward. He brings something up in, in Matthew chapter 26 that kind of deflates the whole 
the whole room. In verse 20, he said, When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve disciples. While they're eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. One of the twelve people that are in the small room enjoying dinner together, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one, Lord? One by one, every man in the room turned to Jesus and said, One of us will betray you, Jesus. It's not me, is it? It, it, It surely can't be me. He replied, One of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. And then Judas, like you get down the list, all 11 people have said, is it me, is it me, is it me? And Jesus is like, no, not you. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you have said it. You have said it. The scene is set and Jesus reveals that Judas is going to be the one that betrays him. Like low-key calls him out in front of everybody, right? Super awkward. Now everybody's just slowly scooting away from Judas, like getting some space between their chair and Judas. Is this guy crazy? What's, what's Jesus mean by this? What, what's getting ready to happen here? And, and it's a subtle reminder that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen to him. And think about that. Jesus knew when he was going to die. He knew how he was going to die, how it would all play out. He even knew the who, who would betray him and who was on his team and who would deny him and what would happen to all of the major players and characters in the story. And knowing all of those things, uh, over the next few verses, Jesus explains in detail what's actually going to happen to his body when it gets crucified. It's a gruesome account. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus does not spare us the details on how it's going to be happening. He uses words like, my body is going to be broken, and my blood will be spilled. It will be shed. And crucifixion was just a gory, horrible way to die. And Jesus describes that. He, he knows all of those details. And maybe you've heard that a thousand times. Maybe, I know, like it's the bread and you break the bread and the body and it's the cup and pass it around and it's my blood shed for you. And it can become familiar. It can become routine. But in the book of Matthew, there might be a detail that you missed. A detail of the story that as you've heard this, maybe you just glossed over this verse because after they had taken the elements in in verse 30 it says then they sang a hymn and went out to the mount of olives they sang a song does that seem odd to you I mean, they, they do a meal. Like, is this like some biblical karaoke here? Like, they do a meal together. You're with all your buddies. Let's sing a few karaoke songs and then leave and go to the next one. Like, why is that in there? And then when you think about it, anytime we sing in a public, like, especially around a table, uh, it's usually a happy event, right? I mean, it's happy birthday to you or we're, we're celebrating something. Like, you, usually, like, we, we don't sing about sad stuff. That's why, like, I don't like country music. Are there any country music fans in here? All right, keep your hands down. I don't, don't want to judge. They're all the same. They're so sad. Like, somebody's dog died, or my girlfriend broke up with me, or my truck got stuck in the mud, or there's no more beers in the fridge, or what? It's just a bunch of, like, bad, sad stuff. Like, that's why nobody likes country music. But, so why would somebody sing? Why would somebody sing? After Jesus said all that, he said, hey, guys, look. This is the last time we're ever going to be together. 
and one of you around this table is going to stab me in the back. And the death that I'm going to die is going to be gruesome. Now let's all get up and sing a song. All right. Celebrate good times. Just doesn't seem to fit that in verse 30, after all of that, Jesus says we're, we're going to we're going to sing. Not a, you've probably heard stories of Jesus. Jesus is a preacher. Jesus is a teacher. He's a miracle worker. He's a, he's a healer. But Jesus the singer, ever heard of that? Do you know Jesus was like lead vocals in his last meal? He, he led the whole team in a song on the very night that he would lose his freedom and would set into course an action that would change the course of history forever. Jesus was singing at a moment like that. I wonder if you knew Jesus was a, was a singer. But it says they, they sang together, which brings to attention my mind, what did they sing? I'd love to know. Like what song popped into Jesus' mind after he just unloaded all of that heavy stuff on his disciples? Well, oddly enough, uh, Jewish scholars tell us what song Jesus and his disciples would have sang that night. In verse 30, when it says they sang a hymn, we, can actually, we actually know the lyrics to that song. Uh, because there's a particular song that in the Jewish tradition that you would always sing after celebrating the Passover. And so it makes total sense. And, and the, the song is actually found in the Old Testament. The book of Psalms right there, smack dab in the middle of your book, that was the song book for the New Testament church. Uh, every psalm, in the, the 150 chapters in the book of Psalms had a, a melody with it. They weren't designed just to be read. They were songs. And so if, if anybody in, in Jesus' day in the first century was singing a song, they were just opening up the book of Psalms and singing that. And so we know the exact song that Jesus sang. We know the, the, the moment that he was transitioning from the last meal to now he's on his way to the Mount of Olives, the very place where he would get arrested later that night. We know the song that the band broke out in right before they made that transition. So I want to look at the, the verses and the lyrics of that song. I want to I look at the soundtrack of this last night of Jesus' freedom. And it's amazing to me the, the lyrics. I, I, it seems so out of place when you read Psalm that on such a heavy evening that this would be the song choice. Here's the, the opening lyrics. It's Psalm 118. Uh, scholars tell us these are the halal psalms, the songs that were sung after Jewish people celebrated the Passover together. And, and here's how Psalm 118 starts. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Back up. Jesus is in a room. And he said, I'm getting ready to be betrayed by one of my closest friends. And this will be the last time that any of us get to sit down and have a meal together. And my body will be broken and my blood will be shed. And, and, and we're getting ready to take this bread and this wine, this communion element together. And, and, and the thing that was on Jesus' mind was this. He said, so give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. It's, it's like, did, did somebody in the back hit the wrong song? Like, surely this can't be. Like, like, that doesn't fit at all. Like, why in the world would Jesus be saying, his faithful love endures forever? 
See, Jesus understood something, a powerful reminder that he shared with the people that were closest to him. And you got to catch it in that first verse of Psalm 118. He made a, a big statement. He said, God is good. That's big. Because Jesus knew exactly the death that he was getting ready to die. He knew that that was God's plan. And yet the words that were on his lips to his followers, but hey guys, I know you're going to see some crazy things over the next 48 hours, but you got to remember something. God is good. That's why you can trust him. Even in his dying last moments, Jesus is trying to share a truth with his followers that when you're up against the wall, when life seems like it's caving in, when you can't explain it, when you're looking at God and like, God, is this it? Is this your plan? Is this your purpose? Is this how it all unfolds? See, Jesus knew when you understand that God is good, then you can trust him no matter what is going on in your life. That even when things are bad, God is still good. And when things are bad, but you remember that God is still good, then you can walk in the purpose that God has for you just like Jesus did. And so really it doesn't surprise me at all that after delivering some heavy news, Jesus says, but hey, listen, you got to remember this. God is good. You can trust him. You can trust him. I know it's hard. I know life is difficult sometimes, but you got to remember, if God is good, then his plan can be trusted, no matter what, no matter what happens. Powerful reminder. He continues like a couple of, couple of verses later, the song keeps going. In my distress, verse 5, I prayed to the Lord. I prayed to God, and God answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Heads up, Jesus. I can tell you what mere people can do to you. They can jab a crown of thorns on your head, and they can jab a spear in your side, and they can nail you to a cross, and you can die an unbelievably painful death. That's what people can do to you, Jesus. And he knew that. He knew every detail of it. And the words on his mouth are the Lord is for me, and he will help me. What can mere people do to me? I will look in triumph at those who, who hate me. Hey, heads up, Jesus. I don't know if you read the end of the book, but like you're getting ready to die on the cross, man. Like You're not going to be looking down at those that hate you. They're going to get the best of you. You're going to lose your life, and Jesus knew that. But it was with boldness that he proclaimed that God can still be trusted and that God is still good. I want you to get that. He, he huddled his team together, 12 people. He said, listen, guys, get this. Don't forget it. We're going to sing a song on the way out. God is good, and he can be trusted, and he is faithful. He's faithful to you, and he's faithful to me. See, Jesus illustrated something that is a temptation for every single one of us. The temptation is this, that in our worst days, our temptation is to give up on God. Uh, to blame God. To point at God and say, you're out of control. You don't have a plan. You have lost grip of the steering wheel and my life is wrecking God. What are you going to do? The temptation is to give up on God. But Jesus says, trust him even when it's tough. 
because God has a plan that you might not be able to see yet. See, the disciples didn't know what was going to happen. Jesus did. And so Jesus steps in and says, look, I know it's tough. I know you're going to see some things and hear some things, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be dark these next few days. But I got to remind you, God is still in control. God still has a plan. God has a purpose. And all that's great. God is powerful. But here's the kicker. God is good, and he's trustworthy, and he's faithful, and he loves you. See, you can hang your hat on that even in the toughest times. He's teaching. I love this, man. In, in a moment where everyone should have been ministering to Jesus, Jesus was still pouring his life out for others, still trying to help others understand who God is and that he can be trusted, that he's faithful, and that he's, that he's good. God, in that, in that moment as the plan unfolded for Jesus' life, Jesus taught his disciples, you can trust God, um, you can lean into him, no matter what happens in life, remember that he loves you. Remember that he's always in control. Remember that everything has a purpose. And when the, the creator of it all is good, then you can trust in the whole process. You can trust he's going to redeem it. You can trust he's going to make a way. You can trust he's going to open up a door. You can trust even when it seems bad to you in the moment, you can trust that he's still in control and he can make a way. He would prove that for, for Jesus as well. He's, he's, he had a plan. He was in control the whole time. Verse 27 reads like this. The Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. You know how hard that would have been for Jesus to say? You know how hard those words would have been for Jesus to repeat? Bind the sacrifice on the altar. Because Jesus would have known, that's me. The altar is the old rugged cross. The bounding to it is the nails in his hands and his feet. Jesus is saying God is going to send a, a, a sacrifice for the atonement of sin. And, and they will bind that sacrifice to the altar. And that sacrifice will die. And, and Jesus is singing these words knowing that it's him. But yet, that's the song that he wants to sing. That's the reminder that he had for his closest friends. And in that moment, Jesus' mantra is this. He is faithful. And the Lord is good. You can, you can trust him no matter what you're facing. The song ends with the same verse that it started with. In verse 29, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. <laughs> I love how Jesus double downs on it. He goes through the whole story and proclaims all of these things that are getting ready to happen in his life, the sacrifice that he gives, the suffering that he'll be a part of. And here's what he does. Like J Jesus runs it back. Sometimes, Kristen, when we're leading worship, and, and it's a powerful song, and we know like it's, it's, it's resonating with people, and it's a truth that we want to proclaim again, we'll come back around, and we'll sing the chorus at the end again. Like, she'll just say, hey, let's sing that chorus with me again, and we'll sing it again. Like, Jesus, on the way out the door, he's like, hey, guys, just a reminder, let's sing the chorus again. Run it back with me. Let, let's repeat it. Repeat it after me. He is faithful. He is good. You can trust him. He is loving. He has a plan. Don't forget that, guys.
And how powerful of a moment that would have been as that truth resonated in the mind of the disciples as they saw Jesus arrested, as they saw him carry his own cross, as they saw him crucified, as they saw him give up his own spirit and declare dead, as they saw him taking to the tomb, and as they saw him three days later and the tomb was empty. They would have remembered what Jesus said. They would have remembered the song that was proclaimed. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Would have been the ultimate, I told you so, moment for Jesus. I told you he was good. I told you he had a plan. I told you he was working in the background. I told you even though it looked bad, I told you you could trust him. I told you he would work it out. That's the song that Jesus ends with. In his darkest hour, that's what Jesus had on his mind. Not why me, not I can't believe this is going to happen, not I'm out, this is unfair. It's the Lord is good. God can be trusted. He is faithful. Don't ever forget that. Those were the words off of his lips as that band of brothers walked out of that upper room after enjoying the last meal and walked out to the garden where Jesus would pray again and finally be arrested. What a great reminder for us. What a reminder as we take the bread and the cup as a faith family together. What a way to kick off a season of gratitude as we lead up to to Thanksgiving. Here's what I want to challenge you to do over these next few minutes. let me pray for you. The band's going to come out and, and I want them to sing this song over you. Maybe just like Jesus would have done as he sang the song over the disciples that night and repeated how faithful and how good God was. And I, I just want us to sit in that moment and be reminded of those things uh, before we get up and, and take the elements together. Let's pray together. God, in an impossible situation where Jesus was fully aware of everything he would face, his mind went to your character. He was reminded that you not only do good things, but you are good. It's who you are. It's your core. And when when you are good, you can be trusted. And so, God, I pray over these next few minutes uh, that you would just help us to really understand that. That as we benefit from the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that even as we face difficulty in our life today, when it feels like we're completely overwhelmed and, and life is just crashing in, may we be the types of people that proclaim boldly, for the Lord is good, for he is faithful, for his love endures forever. He can be trusted. And God, give us the the ability to surrender that over to you. God, prepare our hearts right now as we remember your sacrifice for us. So with the disciples around the table, uh, Jesus begins to explain what's actually going to happen to him and the significance behind it. And he starts out with the bread. 
in verse 26, he says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it. This is from my body. Here's what I want to uh, invite you to do. Uh, if you would just stand up with me right now, we have a couple of tables in the back, a table in the balcony for those of you sitting up there and a table in the front. So whatever table is closest to you, here's what I want to ask you to do. Uh, I want you to just approach one of the tables. You can grab your communion kit and do me a favor, just grab one and then take it back to your seat and we'll take it together as a faith family. So do that, do that right now. Approach whatever table is closest to you. Jesus gathers his disciples together and says, let me tell you the plan. See, God had a plan this whole time to save the world. From the beginning of time, it was foretold in the Old Testament. And Jesus says, here's the plan. One day, the Son of God would come to the earth and live a sinless life. Uh, the perfect sacrifice that was needed to atone for our sins. And Jesus said, but part of God's plan was that that perfect son would give his life, that his body would be broken for you and for me. And Jesus said, that is the plan that God had to redeem the world. And I am the body that is to be broken. And what makes that so miraculous is right after Jesus said that, he walks out of the room and says, great is the Lord. Boy, he is so good. He, he's worthy to be praised. He has a plan. His love for us endures forever. And so as we, as we take this bread, I want you to remember not only the life of Jesus that was broken for you and for me, the forgiveness of our sins, but I want you to remember that the God behind it is good and he can be trusted and his faithfulness and love for you endures forever. That's why Jesus could walk confidently in that room and said, my body will be broken for the forgiveness of sin and God is good. So every time you do that and observe this meal, remember to do those things and remember who God is and what I've done for you. what happens next and he took the cup of wine Jesus Jesus took the cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it gave thanks to God Jesus said this is the blood that will be shed it's a symbol like my blood will be shed on the cross and in response to that reality Jesus says we ought to be thankful like, let's thank God that I'm going to give my life for you. Let's thank God that your relationship can be reconciled. Let's thank God for the forgiveness of sin and the salvation that is only found in Christ. You want to know why Jesus could stare at a cup that symbolized his death and blood and be thankful? Because he sang, the Lord is good and he's trustworthy. 
and his love endures forever. See, when you worship a good God, you can trust that everything he does is for us, that everything he does has a plan and a purpose, and we can walk confidently in that. It's with that heart and that attitude, Jesus says, my blood will be spilt for you. Every time you do this, remember the sacrifice, but I want you to give thanks for the Lord that is good for the God that loves and cares for you. His faithfulness endures forever. God, I pray this never becomes routine. I pray that we will never get over the words that you said, not just the actions of yours on the cross, not just the story that unfolds of the, the perfect man, innocent, giving up his life for the ransom of many. But they would, we would be reminded of the God that was behind it all, that from day one had a plan of redemption, that had a desire to reconcile mankind to himself. And he did that through his son, Jesus. That, that you, God, love the world so much that you sent your only son to die on the cross so that whoever would believe would have life eternally. God, as we sing, as we celebrate, as we remember what these elements stand for and the promises that hold true for us today, God, may we respond in a heart of gratitude, thankfulness for who you are, that you are good, and that your faithfulness and love endures forever. Ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.